here. And uh, here in a little bit, you will see a video um, of some of the um, things that we uh, experienced, were able to uh, be a part of there in uh, Trinidad. And uh, the video that you saw on your way in this morning uh, was more of a general video of just uh, landscapes, things we saw and things like that. But you'll see a video uh, with a little more detail in a little bit. And then a special message from Pastor, um, we say Enoch, they say Enoch, uh, there in Trinidad and um, uh, from Ebenezer Baptist Church. And so uh, before we do that, uh, you can go ahead and find in your Bible Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're calling uh, this Mission Sunday as we just kind of reflect on what God has called us to as a church, the mission he's called us to. Um, and, and as we celebrate uh, the uh, what we were able to see in Cuba uh, this week. So Seven of us uh, here from North Park and one uh, person from Tampa who kind of went as our, I guess you would say like our tour guide from Florida Baptist, um, were in Trinidad, Cuba for the last week. We just got back on Friday. Uh, we were serving, as I mentioned, Ebene alongside Ebenezer Baptist Church of Trinidad, Cuba. Trinidad, Cuba is about a four to six hour, depending on some things, a bus ride from Havana, um, to, uh, which is on the west end of Cuba, to more the uh, central west center of Cuba. Cuba on the coast. It is the second biggest tourist area um, there in uh, Cuba, uh, other than Havana. But the uh, tourism doesn't really pick up to the fall, and so uh, it wasn't quite as touristy while we were there. Um, we were able, while we were there, we uh, we were able to see. Uh, we saw 19 people that we know of who prayed to receive Christ as Lord. Um, we were able to help with their uh, their worship space. That they, you'll see some pictures in a little bit. They are they need a worship space. Uh, they are very packed out uh, on Sunday morning, and they're in kind of. Uh, and, and uh, uh, we know what this is all about, a temporary space until, until they're able to uh, kind of revitalize and extend uh, their worship space, which will seat, you know, like 400 people or so when they're done. And so they are working on that and have been for about 15 years. And so it has been a long process as they get funds and have the help that they need. And so we were able to do some things um, while we were there. Uh, they were able to get lighting on the inside and we were able to get the, um, uh, the primer coat on the inside and the outside of the building so that the next team can come in and, and paint the building. Um, but so a lot that we're, we were able to see, build lots of relationships, friendships, be in lots of different homes for home groups and things of that nature. And of course, like I mentioned, most importantly, uh, the several people uh, who came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. So this morning, what I want to do is share with you briefly from Acts chapter 1. We're going to focus on verse 8. Uh, I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. I believe this passage helps explain uh, why we do trips like the one we just did and, um, and, and why we partner with our network of churches. Uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention to advance the gospel and why we need to personally each be sharing the gospel with the people around us. So look with me in Acts chapter 1. It's on the screen for you this morning as well. We're going to start in verse 4 and we're going to read through verse 8. It says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is Jesus. Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know uh, times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, 
The book of Acts shows us how the ministry of Jesus uh, continued uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the lives of the apostles and the early church, and it, in the book invites you and me uh, to join in that mission and so that the work and the ministry of Jesus can continue on earth today through the work of the Holy Spirit through our lives. That's what the book of Acts is all about. It's, we call it the Acts of the Apostles. It's really the, it's the act of the Holy Spirit um, moving and working through the apostles, the early church, and it ends in such a way as we'll see at the end of our time today uh, to invite us to continue that story. Now, in the passage that we just read, um, the apostles uh, would be thinking now that Jesus has risen from the dead, maybe now is the time for him to overthrow Rome and to establish an earthly kingdom, and maybe now is the time for Israel to restored, uh, to be restored to prominence. And now, remember, Jesus had told them in the Gospels that there was coming a day uh, that they would rule with him. And so they're thinking, now's as good a time as any, right? So they are asking here about power and about purpose. In a sense, they're kind of asking, so now that you've been raised from the dead, what's next? <laughs> what's next? So now is the time for Israel to be restored. Now is the time that we get to kind of uh, to get sit beside you and to rule and to reign and, and some of those sorts of things. And so things that really come with the second coming of Christ, when Christ comes and, and sets up, a, ultimately we're going to see, a, um, we can get into a lot of stuff here, right? But ultimately a new heaven and a new earth that will come. And Jesus is going to talk to them about power, but Jesus says don't be concerned with when God will do what in terms of the end times um, and how all that's going to play itself out. Don't get lost in the details, in other words, of God's timetable. Only God is sovereign over that. It's not for you to know some of these things. And rather than earthly power, rather than ruling power, rather than a, a purpose with your life connected with those sorts of things, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit to carry out my mission. He says that that's ultimately what is about to happen. And the apostles were the first witnesses, but they were not to be the last witnesses. They were to tell the world what they had seen Christ do and who Christ was. And today, uh, we as Christ followers, we continue to bear witness to who Christ is and how he's changed our lives. And so the, the witness of believers witnessing to Christ continues to this day. Acts 1.8 is still being carried out as we bear witness to Christ and the gospel is carried to the ends of the earth. Now notice, you'll notice in the passage that this is not an optional thing. It's a mandatory mission. Those given the Holy Spirit, he says, will be witnesses, right? He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. Jesus said uh, in another place in the Gospels, he said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So every believer is to be on mission. Every believer is to be a witness for Christ. Uh, and I also want to show you a few things. Just in this one verse, verse 8, that powerful passage about uh, living on mission with Christ. First, I want you to notice that our mission is to help people trust and follow Christ. That's how we say it here. Uh, that we exist to help people trust and follow Christ. You see it there in verse 8. He says, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will receive power to be what? My witnesses. Right? Jesus' witnesses. We don't get to pick our mission. Um, every church has the same big idea or we're way off base. That's why so many church mission statements kind of sound the same. Um, because if you come up with something new, you're probably not a church anymore. Um, you know, we're, we're not just some 501c3 um, figuring out ways to bless people. Uh, we have been charged with a mission and that mission is to be witnesses for Christ. Uh, these people in this text had seen Jesus crucified. They had seen Jesus resurrected, and now they're being commissioned to tell the world about his saving power, to tell people, 
to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, to follow him with their lives. And there is no real mission apart from a Christ-centered mission. Uh, Without Christ, we have really nothing to tell people. Uh, Without a cross and an empty tomb, we don't really have anything worth sharing. In fact, why does it matter what the Bible teaches about marriage or relationships? Why does it it matter what the Bible teaches about work or emotions or pain and suffering and trials? Why does any of that matter without a cross and an empty tomb? Uh, If the tomb is empty, then we really don't have anything to say to people. Who cares about the rest? So so we have to remember, first and foremost, we are Jesus people. We are gospel people. We are called to be his witnesses. You know, when we were over in Cuba, there were quite a few barriers that we experienced this week. Uh, There were language barriers. There were cultural barriers. Uh, They speak Spanish. We speak English. I speak Southern English. I speak Alabama. Uh, so there were, you know, in fact, I, you know, I obviously worked with the interpreter all week, and one of our guys made the comment that it might be nice to have one of those around here uh, when I preach on Sunday mornings. So, um, so we, we experienced some barriers. We, we live in a, uh, what we call a democratic republic. Obviously, 4th of July is coming up where we celebrate our freedom and the freedoms we have here in this nation to, to worship and um, freedoms that we just recognize that God has given people because uh, we're made in his image. We call that soul freedom and that people are, are, should be free to, to worship God as, as they want to. And Now, in their country, they live in what their constitution calls a Marxist-Leninist socialist state, a little different uh, than a democratic republic. Uh, They live in a land where the average worker makes $20 a month. We live in one of the most wealthiest nations in the history of the world. So there were language barriers and there were cultural barriers. But what we noticed very quickly um, is the believers there, they're worshiping the same Jesus. Uh, They're opening and studying the same Bible. Um, they, 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 they are uh, telling people about the same gospel that we are. They are leading people to follow the, the same Christ because there's only one church. Uh, there's only uh, one Jesus, and there's really only one mission, right? Uh, G- Jesus' people are Jesus' people, wherever that may be. Uh, that's what we're called to do, whether it's in Cuba or whether it's in the United States or anywhere else in the world. The mission of the church is to help people, all people, trust to follow Christ. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ... Uh, that, that's ultimately what it's all about. Everything else is, is, is meant around that. At the center is Jesus and the gospel and the good news that he has risen from the dead. He is why we are here, why we worship, why we gather, why we go. He's the reason we're over there painting a church and, and doing things like that. He's the reason missionaries go and do medical clinics. And, and we, the reason we feel the need to love our neighbor as ourselves is because the one who was crucified and got out of a tomb three days later told us to love our neighbor as ourselves. The, the good news of what Jesus done is at the very center of all of this and so first and foremost we have to understand that we we are witnessing and we are telling people about the one who was crucified and who was raised so if you don't know Christ today as Lord and as Savior you cannot be a witness for Christ obviously without first being a follower of Christ one who has who has trusted Christ as Lord and Savior and while we see that we have a common Jesus and when we go to Cuba we're worshiping the same Jesus we also see we all had the same we had the same problem uh, they, they've got all kinds of brokenness there. We've got brokenness here. And we sit down with people and we look them eyeball to eyeball and we find out they struggle with things like alcoholism and, and suffering and pain and sin. And, you know, you talk to one guy and he says, man, I, I'm an alcoholic. You talk to another guy, he says, I've been a womanizer for years. Same problems we have here, sin problems. 
Sin problems. And the same answer, right? Jesus, a, a crucified Jesus who was raised from the dead, who died for our sin and rose again. So, so if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, that, that's step one. That's what we're all about. But the second thing this passage tells us is that our mission requires the Holy Spirit's help. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus promised in the gospels not to leave us alone, but to send the one he called the helper. That's the Holy Spirit. And here in Acts chapter one, he tells the disciples there to stay in Jerusalem and wait. Don't you go out and do this without the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and power and he's going to empower you for the mission because we need the Holy Spirit's help for the mission. So at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes in power in what we call new covenant power. And scholars disagree on the way the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament, New Testament. All Here's what we need to know. He came in a new way, in a new power in the New Testament because Jesus ascended to heaven. And so every believer... Every person who trusts Jesus as Lord and Savior receives the Holy Spirit the moment we believe. He indwells our lives, and then we are to live the Christian life in his power. The Holy Spirit indwells you if you're a believer, whether you've been a believer for five minutes or 50 years. And the Holy Spirit, here's the little secret, he wants you to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> he really loves that because, why? He says, I'll send him and you will be my witnesses. See, the Holy Spirit is present in your life not to simply help you live a godly life, although he does that. Not to simply help you understand the scriptures, though he does that. Not to simply help you bear the fruit of the Spirit, like love and joy and patience, but he does that. All those things, but to also to be a witness. There is a reason that people go on something like a mission trip, or, or you get them out sharing their faith somewhere here, and they say things like, I've never felt more spiritually alive. It's because you will not ever feel more spiritually alive and more like a Christian than when you're telling people about, about what Jesus has done because that's what the Holy Spirit, who he put inside you, wants to do. And so when we go months, weeks, years without sharing with people what Christ has done in our life and what Christ can do for them. We are, we are resisting what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. You know, uh, one of the things we saw over in Cuba, and you've probably seen some of the pictures on the internet and things like that, and you've seen these other places, but were all these old cars, right? Because of ever since the, the revolution in 1959, obviously with all the embargoes and stuff, they haven't had American cars uh, shipped into there since like 1959. So that's why you see all the 57 Chevys and all the old Oldsmobiles and all these old cars is because that's what they've got. So they just kind of keep having to redo them, right? But on the inside of those cars, you might have a Toyota or a Hyundai or whatever diesel engine. Um, it's not the original engine. So the, what you're seeing on the outside and then what you, when you pop the hood and what you see on the inside, they don't line up and they don't correlate. And similarly, as believers, when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we look clean and good and Christian on the outside and maybe we're even morally reformed and all those sorts of things, but we're not telling people about Jesus, then we're on the inside, things aren't lining up with the outside and the inside because we're resisting the work of the Holy Spirit and something he really wants to do in and through our lives. He wants us to be witnesses for Christ. We've got to yield to the work of the Spirit, seek his help, cooperate with him on mission because that's what he wants to do. Now, so our mission is a Christ-centered mission. We're helping people trust the follow Christ. We need the Holy Spirit's help to do that. But this passage also shows us this. Our mission re it requires local witness. He says, you're going to be my witness. And he says, it's going to start in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is where they were. It's just where they were. And it obviously had a lot of significance for them as, as Jewish believers. But they're going to start where their feet are. 
It's going to start in Jerusalem and it's going to Judea and Samaria. And he goes all the way to the ends of the earth, right? It's going to spread. But you're going to start where you are. And if you want to be a witness for Christ, we've got to start where our feet are. You know, we had a lot the opportunity to see several people indicate they wanted to trust Christ as Lord while we were away. And you see this a lot on mission trips. You'll go somewhere and, and you might see however many people in a week, you know, a dozen, two dozen, whatever, come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And, 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 and you're, while you're there and you get back and you think, you know, why is that? Is it, are the people more receptive to the gospel there? What, what's going on? Sum it up like this. It wasn't like we flew in from the United States and it was like, Thank you so much for bringing the gospel to. No, there were Cuban believers there that have been praying and witnessing and inviting and begging people to be saved and sharing the gospel with people. The people that we met and that we talked with and we shared the gospel with were, were connected to and related to the believers in that church. It wasn't just strangers on the street. Seed was being sown, uh, sown in their lives for years. And, and then a team comes in and they say, hey, can we, can we come into your home? Or can, what, what can go on that can happen so that we can get you to hear the gospel? Or will you come to house church tonight? And, and, all, and all this prayer and all this seed sowing is happening before that. And see, sometimes we, we, we walk around over here and we, we want to sow a seed and expect a forest, right? Well, you know, I shared Christ. I don't know. We'll see what happens. If you want a forest, you got to sow a lot of seed. And I, I heard a, a pastor not long ago talk about how if you want an abundant harvest, you need abundant seed sowing. And that's one of our problems. We don't sow the gospel enough. We, we don't just share the gospel one time with somebody. We just continue to share the gospel with them in different ways and, and continue to look for opportunities. And we don't just share it with one person. We share it with, with many people. And we continue to pray and, and seek for people to come to know Christ. And, and ultimately, the Lord of the harvest, he's, he's looking for, for laborers for the harvest. He'll take care of the harvest. The problem is never really with the harvest. The problem is always with the laborers and whether we will labor sowing the seed. But we've got to do this locally here. We need faithful witnesses right here in Orlando. Every single one of us have friends and family and neighbors and coworkers who do not know Christ. They may be re religious. They may even be moral, but they're not Christians. And we need to consistently and repeatedly be sharing the gospel with them. I heard someone say, as I mentioned earlier, we've got to be abundantly sowing the gospel if we want to see an abundant harvest. And I believe that. If we don't sow, we will not reap. Lazy farmers look at dirt when the harvest comes. They don't look at full barns. We've got to be faithful with the gospel that has been shared with us. And, and, but it's not just about a local witness. Lastly, our mission requires global witness. He says, this gospel, you are to take it to the ends of the earth. The, the mission of Jesus was always meant to be globally focused. Every church has a responsibility to, to spread the gospel globally. We've seen this since, the, since, Je, since right before Jesus ascended to heaven. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he said, it, it, Matthew tells us this, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus says, I have all the authority, right? I, I am the king over everything and everyone. Verse 19, so go therefore. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So when we think about the power of Jesus and celebrate that, and we think about the fact that he is present with us and celebrate that, man, that is wrapped around the idea that we are to be a going people and sharing the gospel with people, and that's to the ends of the earth. The old saying, 
You might have heard this before. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And there's still a lot of truth to that. So if you're wondering, why do you do things? Why would you do something like that? Why would you do a mission trip to Cuba or anywhere else? It's because we have been told to go with the gospel and to go beyond our neighbors. Now, listen, we personally can't go everywhere. And that's why we have networks and people that we partner with. And that's why we give to the IMB. And that's why we have the cooperative program. And that's why we give to the North American Mission Board and all these different things. Because we're partnered with other churches where, we, where, we can, where people are being called out of these churches to share the gospel to the ends of the earth because we want to be a part of that. So what does it look like to be on mission in this way? Well, personally, personally in your life and in my life as believers, we can all pray. We can all pray for the lost people we know. We can all pray for unreached people groups. We can all pray for uh, people in uh, the places that we've been like Cuba. But we can also share with the people that we know, our friends and our neighbors who, who do not know Christ as Lord, our testimonies of what God's done in our life, but, but also the good news of what Jesus can do in their life. We can give, we can support missions around the world through giving, and you're, you're doing that every week to some extent by just by giving to what, what happens here in our, in our general budget, but also beyond that to, our, to the missions offerings that we do. And then we can go, right? Now, not everybody's gonna be able to go to, on a mission trip like this or something like that, but some of us can. And some people can go for a week, and, and some people God might call to go for two years or three years, and some people God might call to go for their lives, some people God might call out of retirement and to spend what, they, what we call the retirement years on mission somewhere. God's doing this sort of stuff in all sorts of places all over our nation and around the world. But we can, we can all participate in the mission. And then corporately, this is why we equip people for mission. It's why we do three circles training and things like that. It's why we partner uh, with our church network. And it's why we provide opportunities like going to Cuba or doing gas outreach a couple of weeks ago or whatever it is because we want to corporately encourage each other individually to be faithful with the gospel. And so if we get nothing else out of the last week, it is my desire that it stirs within us a deeper urgency to be faithful with the gospel both where we are and wherever God might call us to be. So at this time, I want you to hear a little bit about the trip. So we're going we're gonna to bring a few of the guys up so you can kind of, uh, so I can ask them some questions. You can hear about them from the trip. And as while we kind of get ready for that, uh, check out this video of some of the pictures and things that, and people that were led to Christ uh, over the last week. As we had the chance to have a group from our North Park Baptist Church from Orlando. Así que quiero aprovechar esta oportunidad como pastor de la Iglesia Bautista Ebenezer de Trinidad. So I would like to take the opportunity as pastor of Trinity of Baptist Church here in Trinidad. Para agradecer a, a nombre de la familia de la fe. The family of the faith. Y de mi familia. On myself and my family. El que ustedes como hermanos nuestros. That you are a brother of ours. Hayan enviado a estos hombres valientes have sent these very brave men para apoyarnos y ayudarnos en el trabajo aquí en Trinidad. To support us and help us on the construction work here in Trinidad. Les estamos muy agradecidos. We are very grateful. Eh, oramos para que el Señor les continúe usando. We are praying so the Lord continue to use you. Y ustedes siguen siendo de bendición a la ciudad de Orlando. And you might be a, you might continue to be a blessing to the city of Orlando. Bendiciendo su país. Blessing your country. Y bendiciendo también el nuestro. And blessing also ours. Así que esperamos, bueno, esta es la primera vez. So this is the first time. Que trabajamos juntos. That we work all together. 
pero esperamos seguir trabajando para la eternidad. But we hope to keep on working for the eternity. Aquí en Cuba. Uh, both here in Cuba. Y donde el Señor nos mande. Uh, wherever the, uh, our Lord tells us to do. Dios les bendiga. May God bless you. Un gran abrazo. A great uh, hug. All right, I'm going to ask uh, Shane and uh, Jared and Drew if they would make their way up. Um, whoever sits in the middle can hold the mic and pass it around there. Um, <laughs> nobody wants to sit in the middle? Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, so these guys were our three. We represent four of the seven, and we thought it was a little easier to, uh, to do it this way. And so... Uh, Gonna ask them some questions and uh, and just get them talking about the trip a little bit. So we'll we'll actually uh, we'll ac actually gave, I gave them their questions in advance. There's no way they can fail this test. Um, they've already had time to get there. And so Jared, tell us a little bit about the construction. We saw some of the pictures up there on the screen. Uh, talk a little bit about the need for the sanctuary um, and uh, and just how the construction went overall throughout the week. So. As far as the need for the sanctuary, I'll start with that. On Sunday morning, we were in there, uh, and it was the same way Saturday night and Sunday night. We're in there, and all of the pews in that little room are full. They probably had six, six or seven pews in front of us. They had three on the side that, you know, we used to complain about the, the pillar up, upstairs that you couldn't <laughs> see around that. They had one probably as big as the one right there by the stairs uh, that was blocking their view. And then they had a, a, a couple of pews down the side uh, facing the same way as a pastor, and it was slam full every time. Um, so they really need more space because if you walk into a space and you see it 75, 80% full, as far as people walking by, that's full. So they're not going to come in. So they've got this huge, um, I guess it's an old fort uh, that they're con converting into a sanctuary, and uh, it's got just a stone floor that has not been covered yet. Um, they had stuccoed the wall. Uh, and we were, we were priming that uh, for another coat, and then they were hanging lights. There were no lights when we got there, and when we left, there were 14 lights that they had hung that week, I believe. Um, so they really need the space because, I mean, they, they've just got such an appetite for the people uh, in that community that want to know God, that are walking by, that are interested to hear, oh, hey, they're singing. What's he talking about? And uh, and one of the most fantastic things I saw was there would be somebody just kind of loitering outside and the pastor would stop and he was like, hey, come on in. And they'd come in, sit down. And he's like, what's your name? Uh, just put them on the spot. And they're like, oh, well, welcome. Uh, and then everybody would, would welcome them. So um, just a fantastic opportunity there. Uh, Shane, tell us a little bit about the, the actual worship services, uh, not just at the church, but also in the homes and how they went and what was encouraging about it. Yeah, as Jared just mentioned, um, all the services, whether they were at the church or in the homes, they were crowded. And it was everybody just had a, a genuine desire and a, a yearning to, uh, to hear the gospel and to hear what Josh had to say and the pastor, uh, Enoch, there. Um, the, uh, the services in the church, we had... We got there Saturday afternoon, and then Saturday evening we had a church service. It was jam-packed. Um, I was surprised, too, at the, you know, uh, as Jared mentioned, people would just walk by. I mean, there are huge doors that are open right onto the streets, and you have people passing by, and you can't pass by without hearing the joy of the music. They would sing. Uh, they would start off by singing songs, and they probably sang about six or seven songs, and, um, and everybody sang. Everybody sang so loud. I mean... The pastor, Enoch, I mean, 
he was probably the loudest, I'd say, and his daughter. His daughter loved to sing. But uh, they would have other people within the congregation that would come up there and take turns singing and leading um, the worship. Um, but people would pass by and people would just stop. And like Jared said, the pastor would repeatedly just call them to come in and sit down and open up right away and ask them their names who, you know, um, we're just so blessed to have you here. Um, it was a really unique feeling. And then also um, with the, uh, the home groups, it was the same thing. Everybody was, was uh, jammed in there, but everybody was so joyful and happy um, to listen to um, the pastor, listen to our testimonies and what Josh had to say. And you could tell that they were really, they were taking it into heart and uh, every word that came out of our mouth, they really, they really enjoyed it. And they were very welcoming no matter where we went, um, whether it was the people within the church services or just people that we would pass walking, uh, talking on the streets, they were, uh, they were really happy. And they said, I remember talking to one guy um, who said, um, you know, this is a good thing. This is a really good thing for Americans to come down here and for Cubans to interact and talk to each other. We, we really are blessed that you're down here. So, mm. uh, Drew, tell us, uh, we got the opportunity while we were there during the day to um, go into some, it's probably me, to go into some home visits. Um, tell us a little bit about what encouraged you about that, what you saw, what that was like when we would go into these home visits. Okay. So in the home visits, uh, someone from the church would know the person that uh, we came and visited. It could be a friend, it could be a neighbor, it could be just someone they knew, and they would set it up for us where we would come in, complete stranger, never met them, they never met us, and uh, we would go in and uh, do the normal greetings and everything, and then we would simply ask, uh, has anybody ever sat down with you with a Bible and explained how to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? And a lot of them would say, no. No one's ever gone through the Bible, showed us, all that. And uh, Dana, our uh, tour guide, <laughs> uh, gave us a track that I think we used on every single one that would go through a list of things. And uh, it was actually awesome how God used it because there was a couple specific ones where the examples in the booklet went exactly what they needed to hear. And uh, so we'd go share the gospel with them and uh, we would just ask them, is there anything that would uh, stop you from accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? And uh, most of them said no and they accepted Christ. And I think the most encouraging thing that I saw in that is as we're going, uh, we're explaining it to them and, and just uh, uh, sharing the gospel with them is to see the, uh, in their eyes just that turn. You could just see it in their eyes, and it was just the coolest, most encouraging thing we could, I could ever think of. So, uh, Jared, um, this is kind of a, might be a hard question to answer, but what's, uh, if you could boil it down to like one thing, the most significant thing God taught you on the trip? Intentionality. Day-to-day um, -day here in Orlando, we don't have that, that I guess the the need, like we don't feel that need to go and tell people about Christ. We're not cons as concerned about salvation here. And part of that's because it's so prevalent in, in this area of the United States. You know, Florida is different from Alabama where Josh and I grew up, but it's still part, considered part of the Bible Belt. Um, we're so lucky to have such a pervasiveness of Christianity in our culture. Um, they don't have that. So I think the, the main thing that I take from that is we have to be more intentional in our personal lives, in our work lives, and as a church. Um, because if we don't have that urgency for salvation for the people who live here, no one else is going to. 
Uh, Shane, tell us like maybe the, what was the most surprising thing for you on the trip? Um, I, I, I suppose the most surprising, a couple things, but I'd say the, um, the genuine faith of the people down there that we ran into. Uh, they were, you could tell that was their life. I mean, a lot of them are struggling, like you said, with brokenness and, and poverty, and, and, uh, but yet you could tell that the, uh, the gospel and just hearing about Jesus and uh, that brought them true joy and the honesty behind them. I mean, I, I know you mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking to some of the individuals at their homes and asking them the, you know, is there anything that's holding you up from, from accepting Christ right now? And the true honesty that they would say, no, I'm, I don't feel like I deserve this because I've been a womanizer my whole life or I've been an alcoholic or, or you know, in genuine sincerity, I don't feel like it's, I feel like it's premature to accept Christ right now for one reason or another. Uh, the honesty, it was refreshing to be able to just be open and people tell you that kind of stuff um, without feeling like they need to conceal their darkest parts of their lives. You know, they were more than willing to share that with us. And uh, it was wonderful because we could then uh, talk to them with honesty and answer their questions. It's kind of hard to answer people's hang-ups with accepting Christ if they're not honest with us and telling us what they, uh, they truly need and how they're broken and the struggles that they're going on, uh, yeah. going on in their life. True. Uh, hey, Drew, um, what's something that you saw God do in Cuba um, that you're hopeful to see him do more of here? Well, uh, I think it's very similar. Uh, I grew up in the youth group here, and we would go to Enfuge every year, and we would talk about the Enfuge High. You know, you're there, everybody's doing it, and it's just, you know, you're out there every day for God, sharing the gospel and all that. And I think it's very similar there is, uh, you know, we had that high. We went out, we shared. We didn't care what other people th uh, thought of us or what we were doing. We just shared the gospel, and that was our constant mindset. And I think it's here, uh, we need to recognize that it shouldn't be a high, it should be something that we do daily. You know, uh, go share the gospel when someone tugs on your heart, it's God saying, you need to go share to that person. And it also goes to the people that were here praying for us. Uh, we should pray for each and every one of us every day to go share the gospel, because when we leave these doors, it's a mission field. It's not just a mission field in Cuba, it's a mission field here. So I think that's... That's good. Um, Jared, would you go back, and why or why not? Well, um, I, I would. I would go back um, if, if I had the time, like the time off work, and obviously if, if God called me to go back tomorrow, I would. Um, why? Um, God, there's just a, such, a, such a hunger for the gospel there. People want to know Christ. People want to hear about him, and, and I want to tell them about it. You know, I, they want to hear it from us, even though they might not understand English. Um, God is a universal language, and that's the only thing about God that's probably universal. But his love, and, and, and they just, they have that such desire for it. So, yeah, I, I'd go back. Why not? Uh, well, only three of us had air conditioning. Uh, shout out to Josh and Dave. Uh, Everybody else uh, had a little bit at night. But uh, I, there's no reason why I wouldn't go back, um, you know, unless, you know, God points me somewhere else. Um, you know, the people there were just, just fantastic to us. They were so welcoming. And, you know, you, there there'd been times when you'd be walking down the street, uh, even in, like, some of the little markets where you think, okay, somebody could come up across, or around this corner and knock me in the head, and nobody would ever know where I went. Um, but it, it never felt threatened, never felt anything but love and, and, and thankfulness from these people. And uh, 
I just can't wait to see what God does next there because there's just there's so much uh, so much glory we can give to him by, by serving these people. Shane, what are some ways we can be praying for our new friends in Cuba? Uh, well, I, we could definitely be praying for um, Pastor Enoch and his church. Um, like you mentioned, Josh, earlier, by the time we got down there and we went around and we met all the different uh, people at the homes, um, the relationships that Pastor Enoch and all the people at the church have built um, throughout that whole area is critical. And uh, that's first and foremost is... Uh, Pray for Pastor Enoch and, and his church and for them to continue to build relationships around that area, to raise up more leaders and pastors like Pastor Enoch uh, to help uh, grow some of the home churches. Um, and then uh, pray for the individuals who accepted Christ down there. It's going to be tough and there's going to be a lot of hard work and um, they're going to need a lot of support down there to help them to continue to walk in the faith and, and then to be able to share their faith and what God's done in their lives with other people down there. Um, and then I'd pray for, for the um, continued um, uh, lifting the, the restrictions down there with the government so that the, uh, the people would have more freedom uh, of their faith and be able to, uh, to uh, worship down there freely without the persecution. But uh, those are just some things that come to mind. Well, Drew, um, how do you think uh, we as a church, uh, I guess was at least in terms of this group, and will be impacted uh, by sending a team to Cuba. What, how do you foresee that impacting us corporately? Well, it's, it's hard to see, you know, impact in the long term being just two or three days removed. But something that's immediately uh, impactful is that we now have a face to our prayer. We have a face to our giving. We have a face to, you know, whatever we do with missions. It's not just a generalized prayer of, prayer of uh let God work in Cuba, it's let God work with this specific church, this specific person, this specific pastor. And I think that's probably the most impactful thing that I can think immediately. Amen. Well, give these guys a hand and thank them for being willing to get up here this morning. And if y'all take your chair with you and stack it over there as you go, that would help us just grab your chair as you, as you go. Thank you. Um, um, and I'm going to ask uh, Jordan if he would go ahead and make his way up. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. This is the way the book of Acts ends. It says, it's Apostle Paul. He's, in, he's in, under house arrest, basically, uh, in Rome. And it says, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's how the book of Acts ends. And scholars will tell you that Luke ends the book of Acts that way, show it with that phrase, without hindrance because he wants you to see that even in those circumstances the gospel is unhindered as it goes forth and it's inviting us you and I to continue the story um, of taking the gospel uh, with boldness and without hindrance into our neighbors lives and our friends lives and our co-workers and and then even in places like Cuba and around the world and so um, and so that's our invitation this morning is that um, if first of all if you know Christ you're, you're called to be a witness uh, that tells people about Jesus if we don't share Jesus we really don't have anything else uh, worth sharing and to do that in the power of the Holy Spirit both here but also with an eye towards the nations and so if you don't know Christ today uh, if you've never trusted him as Lord and Savior we obviously want to invite you to do just that and um, there's no more important decision 
uh, than any person can make than to repent of their sin and put their faith in Christ as Lord. It's, a it's the most important decision. Um, eternity hinges on what you do with Jesus. And um, if, if you've never trusted Christ as Lord, we want to invite you to do that. As we asked many people in Cuba, um, what is there today that would prevent you from making that decision? And if there's really, you, there's really no good answers. And so, um, so if, you, if you say, you know what? There's really nothing that would keep me from doing that. Here in just a moment, we're gonna stand and sing. I'd love to talk with you about that. If I can pray with you or for you about anything, but obviously Christ would love to do that. So let's pray and then we'll stand and sing together. Father, we.